Imagine leaving your home country to settle in a foreign land. What would that feel like? How might that experience change you? The guests on this show share their perspectives and opinions related to their immigrant journeys. Listen to find out what challenges they overcame and how they made the transition. In this episode, Nick is forced to flee Venezuela with his wife and daughter to escape political persecution. He leaves his house, his career in the media, his parents, his extended family and friends to start a new life in the United States. There, he learns English quickly, ends up starting his own business, and starts living the American dream. Listen to hear Nick's attitude and how it has carried him through this new chapter in his life. The intro music is an excerpt from the song called Alma Llanera, performed by Simon Diaz, written by Pedro Elias Gutierrez, source Calidos Producciones Artísticas, LLC. The song title translates as Soul of the Plains. The song has lots of imagery from nature, and it reminds Nick of his younger days when he took to the streets to protest the regime that ultimately forced him out of his homeland. So, Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me today and sharing this experience with you. So, I understand you're from Venezuela, is that right? Yes, I was born in Venezuela. Valencia is a city. Carabobo is a state. And what was it like growing up in Venezuela? Well, to me, growing up in Venezuela was an amazing experience because I was really happy with my family, my dad, my mom, my brothers. I have two brothers and one sister. Pretty much we are in the same age. My older brother, he's 44 and 42. My younger brother is 41 and my sister is 40. 40. So we all, we were playing around, playing together. For me, it was amazing. My dad was a hard worker. My mom, she was really nice with us and she was really humble. And my dad and my mom, they were, they were always there. And I grew up in a normal family. My dad was a hard worker. And my mom, she was always at home taking care of me and my brothers. How old were you when you left Venezuela? I was 35 years old when I left Venezuela. That was eight and a half years ago. What prompted that decision to leave your homeland? Well, I used to work for one of the most important newspapers in my country, Noti Tarde. I was commercial manager over there. And at that moment, when I decided with my wife to leave my country, was because the government of the dictatorship, it was chasing us because we were thinking different than them. And I felt like I was in a dangerous position with my family. And that's why I decided to leave everything behind and start everything from scratch in this country. I used to come to the United States twice a year, getting training for the job that I had back in Venezuela. But living here is totally different. You know, finding a job, dealing with the language. 
Tell me a little bit more about the political persecution that led to you leaving, because it sounded like you had a really great childhood. You loved your country. You were very happy there. And then there was a regime change. You know, new politicians took power. What was some of that friction? Because you said you were in the media. Was it something specifically that you said on camera, in public? Or was it just sort of a general persecution of people with a different political view? Yeah, it was, it was a, a specific persecution that I had in my country. For the job that I had in the newspaper, I was always exposed and they knew everything about us. When I say everything about us is what kind of job I was doing at that moment in my country. So they knew that I always thought different than them. I was getting texts and messages from people who were supporting the dictatorship. And to be honest, I was afraid at that moment. I've been protesting against the government since I was 18 years old. I was going to the university and at that moment, I felt like this is not right. This, this, this government that we have in Venezuela, what they say is not right. And being really young, I started protesting against the government. And since then, everybody knew about my position. And I feel proud of this. To be honest, I still feel like what they are doing is not right. And I decided to come to the United States because, you know, this is an amazing country. This is a place where you feel like they respect your rights. And that's why we're here. I asked Nick in Spanish why he left his homeland to get some more detail and understand the pressure that he was feeling. Así que, ¿por qué decidiste irte de tu patria y venir a los Estados Unidos? Honestamente, para mí fue muy duro dejar mi país atrás. Eh, en ese momento empezamos a recibir fuertes amenazas de los miembros del medio de comunicación en el que yo trabajaba. El director principal eh, fue amanecido públicamente y ellos amenazaron con cerrar el medio de comunicación porque todas las noticias que nosotros publicamos en ese momento eh, no eran a favor del gobierno. Todo lo que nosotros publicábamos era exponiendo todas las irregularidades que el gobierno hacía. Y bueno, eh, en ese momento, eso fue en 2014, 2015, esos dos años. Eh, fue bien difícil, bien intenso para nosotros. Y específicamente por eso decidí este, dejar el país atrás cuando vi que ya no teníamos derecho prácticamente a opinar. Eh, el periódico al que yo trabajaba no fue el único que en ese momento sufrió un ataque. Muchos medios de comunicación impresos y de televisión cerraron, fueron atacados por el gobierno y bueno, nosotros no nos salvamos a eso. Adicional a eso, el gobierno también hizo muchas restricciones a nivel de importación. Nosotros tenía, trabajamos con mucha materia prima para dificultar la producción del periódico y que eso saliera a la luz pública, todo lo que nosotros veíamos en la calle. 
Entonces, eso fue básicamente lo que me impulsó a dejar mi país. Luckily, Nick was able to leave Venezuela with his wife and his daughter of two and a half years. En ese momento, yo tenía una hija que tenía dos años y medio, y yo me vine con mi esposa y mi hija. Yo tenía en ese momento visa americana de turista, y nosotros teníamos dentro de lo malo el privilegio de llegar a los Estados Unidos como turista. Una vez que llegamos aquí, hice el proceso con un abogado de inmigración, explicando todo lo sucedido y toda la situación. Y luego me entran aplicando por asilo político. Ha sido un proceso largo para nosotros. Hay muchos atrasos, muchas complicaciones en ese proceso. At the time, Nick was able to leave Venezuela relatively easily. He already had a travel visa to the U.S., but securing a flight was difficult. Shortly after they left, the Venezuelan government started shutting down the border, even closing embassy ties. Cuando yo salí, eh, tú lo podías hacer de manera libre, si se pudiera decir. El gobierno, después que nosotros nos fuimos, intensificó más, hubo más restricciones, cerró la embajada de los Estados Unidos en Venezuela, nosotros no tenemos embajada. Si necesitas hacer alguna, tener alguna documentación este, relacionada con la embajada de los Estados Unidos, necesitas ir a otra, otro país. Yo recuerdo que había muchas dificultades a nivel de aerolíneas de avión. Eh, recuerdo que no se conseguían pasajes, el gobierno estaba trancando las comunicaciones con diferentes aerolíneas. Y fue difícil para nosotros encontrar un avión directo a los Estados Unidos en ese momento. Eh, Must have been very difficult, even maybe heartbreaking, leaving your parents behind you know, other family members. So can you tell me a little bit about that? For me, it was really hard leaving my country behind. It's not just my family, it's a life. I left my mom and she went to the airport with my dad. And I clearly, I clearly remember that moment, Santiago. I feel like that happened yesterday. My mom was crying, and but she was always supporting me. Yeah. And she told me, hey, this is the best for you, for your family, and for all. Don't worry about all. We're going to be okay. Your dad and me and your brother, we're going to be fine. And it was really hard. Also, it was hard for me because I was... At that moment, I felt like I had everything. I had a career, I had my job, I had my house. And certainly you have nothing and you have to leave everything behind to start a new life in this country from scratch. was hard at the beginning. But I was always sure that I made the right decision. And now I have no regret about that. But yes, it was really hard for me. If leaving your extended family and life behind isn't hard enough, Nick had to start all over again in a new land with a different language. How did he make that abrupt transition? Bueno, teníamos algunos ahorros, no mucho dinero, sabes, pagar una noche de hotel unos días y eh, de repente averiguar cómo es el tema del trámite de migración y todo eso. Estuvimos viviendo con una, con la una amiga de mi esposa por unos días, ella nos dijo, vengas a vivir con nosotros para que ahorren un dinero 
porque pagando 150 dólares mínimo a la noche en un hotel es bastante. Tratando de buscar un espacio donde vivir. Estuvimos con ella unos dos semanas, después vivimos en un hotel como una semana más. Luego un amigo casualmente de la infancia lo conseguí y me invitó a su casa y fue un alivio enorme. Porque me dijo, vente a vivir conmigo para que ahorres ese dinero, porque cada dólar este, lo vas a necesitar en el futuro. Y así fue. Luego, eh, averiguando por mí mismo qué, qué hago, qué, qué voy a hacer. Qué, no, o sea, no, no me hallaba. Y mi hija, ella es, a pesar de tener en ese momento dos años y medio, pero ella hablaba perfecto, decía todas las palabras claras para su edad. Y me decía, papá, extraño mi habitación. Y yo decía, Dios mío, tengo que hacer algo para sacar a mi familia adelante. Yo agarraba la almohada y gritaba y decía, Dios mío, estoy fuerte, pero siempre con la intención de ir hacia adelante y nunca hacia atrás. Housing was one of the first challenges. Thanks to friends, Nick was able to stretch the little money that he had saved. They did have to use some of that money for hotels, but they needed to be frugal while he waited for his permission to work. Empezar el proceso migratorio es un proceso muy largo, tener el social security number y el permiso de trabajo. Eso fueron unos tiempos bien difíciles porque nosotros no podemos trabajar sin permiso de trabajo. Cuando finalmente lo recibí, eh, conocí a una persona que me dio la oportunidad de trabajar con él, que eh, me puse a estudiar inglés mientras me llegaba el permiso de trabajo y dice, tengo que preparar porque eh, yo necesito hablar inglés. Cuando tenga la oportunidad de hacer algo, tengo que estar listo. Empecé a trabajar con personas de aquí de Estados Unidos, 100% hablando inglés, y me decían, no lo diga así, hazlo así, escribe este correo así, hazlo así, vende esto así. Y entonces ahí yo empecé a perder el miedo y empecé a, a, a entrar, a sentir más lo que es vivir aquí en los Estados Unidos. During his wait for his work permit, Nick applied himself to learning English. When his work permit came, he was ready. He immersed himself in an English role and company. His co-workers were gracious and helped him fine-tune his English and his skills. After some time, a friend approached him to start a business. Un amigo mío le dijo, vamos a inventar nuestro, nuestro propio negocio. Vamos a hacer una empresa de servicios de limpieza comercial. Y yo le dije, yo no tengo ni idea de cómo es eso. Entonces él me dice, bueno, yo sí, porque él trabajaba limpiando para una empresa de limpieza. Y él veía cómo hacían todo el proceso, pero él me dice, no sé cómo es la negociación, porque yo no hablo inglés. Y como tú hablas inglés y yo soy la parte operativa, entonces vamos a intentarlo. Y así hicimos. Entonces empezamos, inventamos el nombre. Pero bueno, al cabo de, estuvimos, eh, empezamos a obtener clientes, todo lo que implica arrancar un negocio. Y al principio, cuando uno empieza un negocio, en cualquier lugar, es difícil darse a conocer, creando una reputación que la gente confía en ti. Entonces el primer año fue difícil y él... Lamentablemente, como todos, teníamos que generar más dinero y más ingresos. Entonces, me dijo, no puedo seguir. Entonces, yo decidí continuar la empresa con mi esposa, con otro nombre. Entonces, nos hemos mantenido en el mercado. Llevamos a tener seis años. Eh, se han sumado muchísimos clientes. Entonces, bueno, aquí estamos. Nick didn't really have an entrepreneurial sense before he was approached. But the need to provide for his family propelled Nick into more uncharted territories. And he figured it out. When Nick was learning English, he went to school with people from all over the world. 
I like to think that this experience, coupled with his friendly personality, helps him in his cleaning business, where he deals a lot with the public. When I got to the university, I knew a few words in English. I was taking these classes with people from different parts of the world. China, Brazil, Russia, Ukraine, Poland. I was learning about cultures, food, and other languages. And we were always together because I was going to, I was going to the school for six hours daily for six months. You said you traveled several times to the United States and you noticed that it's different living here. Even though you, you knew sort of what the United States was like, did you experience anything that was like culture shock or that you found was just so different from the way things were in Venezuela? Yeah, definitely it's totally different. I mean, just the language. Speaking English is one of the hardest challenges we have to face once we decide to live in the United States. It's totally different because we, in Venezuela, we always talk. If we go to the supermarket, we always are talking to each other. There is no personal distance. And you know, like Latin people. <laughs> and when I was here, I had to understand that, hey, we have to be quiet. And it, <laughs> that was shocking for me. But in Venezuela, you go to the beach, that is... You know, music, loud music, everybody is, you know, talking loudly and a lot of food and people drinking alcohol and you cannot do anything of that. So for me, that was shocking as well. And uh, Christmas, Christmas in my country is party all the time. <laughs> Here it's just Christmas Eve, Christmas and that's it. <laughs> Christmas for me was the most important time of the year, sharing with my family and, you know, making food. I always talk about that with my kids and, and they see me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because it's totally, here it's totally different. It's completely, it's totally different, but in a good way. When I say different in a good way, I'm not saying that here is, is there is something bad about that. I'm not saying that, just I'm saying that we are, we have our I don't know, way to celebrate different dates during the year. Another thing that I would say that for me was totally different than Venezuela is that people in, in these countries, they say everything straight to your face. If they don't like something, they're going to tell you, Hey, I'm, that is not okay. I don't like that. That was shocking for me because in Venezuela, you always try to say, Hey, can you please, and you know, go around to say something rude. Customers in this country, they, you know, they are hard to please, <laughs> but it, at the same time, it's good because we have to focus and be better and better and do better, 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 improve, 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 which is good for me. And I have to understand how that works. 
It's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like in the Latin culture, we're very direct. And in the United States, things are more, you know. No, for me, it's <laughs> not like that. <laughs> well, maybe my friend, my family, um, the people around me in Venezuela, not they're, direct. they're not direct. They always say everything in a nice way. People in the United States, it's like that as well. But there are a lot of people who, when they feel like something is right, they say everything like they see, and that's it. I don't True. care if you like it or not. And that was shocking for me. Yeah. But now I'm learning. I have to live with that. And I feel like that's part of me and part of my job. And that's it. I think it's so funny to hear you say some of this because my wife, she's American. Mm -hmm. And when the kids act a certain way, she's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. She's like, we can't let our kids run around the, the grocery store. I was like, why not? She's like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're talking to all these people. That's okay. <laughs> so it's like night and day, but uh, different people are, are different everywhere. One of Nick's first jobs was working at a sign company installing signs. Nick tried his best to support his family, but the economic realities of living in the United States prompted him down a different path. When I was working for the sign company that I just mentioned, the payment was $10 per hour. To be honest, it's not enough to support my family. Paying rent, car insurance, you know, utility. I was looking for something else. I, I felt like I had to do something else. I need to make more money because, but, but to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. When I decided to come to the United States, I didn't think about having my own business. I always thought that, okay, I'm going to apply for a job and I'm going to try to get a job and that's it. But I felt like I need to do something where I have no limits. It was just trying to support my family and try to looking for a better life for me and for my family. That wasn't something that I had in my mind when I got to this country. And when I was in Venezuela, I always were working for somebody else. I always had a job. Never, I was an entrepreneur. Nick conquered several seemingly unsurmountable obstacles, securing housing for his family, obtaining a work permit, learning English, starting a business, the list goes on. There was one challenge, however, that he faced that taught him a great deal, falling into consumer temptation due to lack of priorities. Este, la, y también hay un problema en Santiago que, que el sistema también es muy gastivo. Entonces, eso también es importante para que tú tengas eh, éxito, establecer prioridades económicas, porque todo es fácil, todo es con un crédito, lo pagas en 10 partes, llévatelo y lo pagas en 5 años, entonces tú deudas y deudas y deudas y te llenas de cosas y te llenas de cosas. Entonces, también a veces, a veces es cuestión de establecer prioridades y organizarse. Mm -hmm. Y ahí hay mucha gente que también yo siento que está fallando. Al principio sí. a mí me pasó eso también, entonces eso fue parte también de lo que yo tuve que aprender, a vivir en este país en donde hay tanta tentación, en donde uno quiere cambiar el carro porque te aburre en donde ya no me gustan estos zapatos. Y nosotros no somos así en Venezuela. Tú comprabas un par de zapatos, te duraba años. Y el carro, 
años también y lo cuidaba y no, 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 no hay esa cultura de tanto tan, es, es algo también que yo siento que eh, mucha gente aquí cae en eso y malgastan el dinero no establecen prioridades están sumergidos de la entonces eso también es algo que es un mindset que tú tienes que tener para también tener éxito Este, Do you go back to Venezuela? No, we can't. We can't go back to Venezuela because we, we are running away from the dictatorship. And I have nothing to do there. I feel safe in this country. I feel safe here with my family. And for now, that is not something that I have in my, in my mind. I feel like I have to stay here. Yeah. What do you miss the most? My mom and my dad, yeah, I miss them a lot, especially my mom, because she was, she always has been there for my family. And she always think that everything is, everybody's good, everything in life is good, everything happens for one reason, and she's always positive, and I really miss her because I used to see her pretty much every day back in Venezuela, and now I barely see her twice a year. That's what I miss the most, my parents. Sometimes we talk by WhatsApp. We make a video call. And I always talk to her in that way, and she talks to my kids. And when we are celebrating our birthday, we always try to make a, a video call and to see the celebration of the party and she always try to be there. The technology is really helpful when you are in this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the food. Is there any food that you miss? Oh, <laughs> everything. <laughs> that is one of the biggest problems that I have in this country. Every time my wife say, hey, let's go to a restaurant. I'm like, oh, what are we going to eat? Hamburgers again, hug that, pizza. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's something different. Yeah, our food is, is really nice. Arepa. Have you ever tried arepa? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's, it's delicious. In Christmas, we eat ayacas. Ayaca is like a tamal. It's like with flour corn. And... You put inside vegetables and meat, different stuff, and you boil that, and that's what you eat for Christmas in our country. There is something else called pan de jamón. It's bread with ham, olives, and bacon, and the taste amazing. Cachapa, cachapa is made with corn. You eat that with cheese and butter, it's delicious as well. Yeah, but I miss the food all the time, every day. <laughs> there are some restaurants, but I don't know why the taste, the taste is good, but it's not the same. Mm. I don't know why. Yeah. Do you cook a lot at home? I don't cook. My wife does, but I don't. <laughs> the only thing I do is barbecue. <laughs> What else? Hot dogs. We have hot dogs and we put onion, cilantro, 
corn, bacon, tomato, a lot of stuff on the, on top. We always try to make that as well. And my daughter, she loves it. Mm -hmm. What about music? There is a specific song. It's called uh, El Alma Llanera. Every, every time I hear that song, I feel connected with my country because it was the song that we used to play when we were protesting on the street. And this song is, is about Venezuela, about our natural resources and our people and our beliefs and everything. In Christmas, we hear gaitas. It's a uh, traditional music that we hear in from November to December. And I love it as well. I play that kind of music Christmas here in my house all the time. Even when I'm driving in my car, I feel connected with my country. Gaitas, is that a genre? Yeah, that's the music that we play in Christmas. Now that you've been in the United States a few years and you reflect back, how has this experience of, you know, surprise, you have to leave your home country, start over with nothing, brand new language, leave everything behind. How do you feel that that experience has changed you? This past a year has been for me, I don't know how to define that. When something bad happened to me and when I'm facing something hard, I feel like, well, this is another proof that I have to go through and I'm going to face it with the best attitude smiling because there is something that I have to learn of this. That's the way I see my life. I always try to enjoy every moment. I always talk to my kids and I always tell them, hey, it's not about having material stuff. It's about spending time with your mom, with, with your dad as a family. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where, what we are doing because sometimes we have everything and we don't know when we are going to have nothing. My life was like that. Eight years ago, I had everything back in Venezuela. And I closed my eyes and I had nothing. And I had to start again. And now, as God, I have my house and I have my company. And I don't take anything for granted. I feel like we have to enjoy every day and we have to help other people as well and we have to treat everyone with respect that's that's another philosophy that i have and everything i do in my life i always, I always try to do it right if i can i'm gonna make it right so i feel lucky for being here Despite uh, eight years ago, I felt like, why this is happening to me? And I'm a better person right now. I have the opportunity to speak English. So for me, everything so far is good, is positive, is perfect. And I feel really happy and I feel really thankful with the United States, and I feel really thankful with the people from this country. And I really, I'm, I'm really thankful with God as well. And I have no regrets. For me, it was the best decision ever. 
I feel really happy for that. If you had a time machine and you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self and at what age? Por lo que estoy viviendo actualmente, hubiese, eh, cuando estudié en la, en la universidad, me hubiese gustado aprender más cosas uh, relacionadas con labor. Eh, hablar inglés, estudiar inglés. Eh, fue algo que nunca fue como mi prioridad. Y yo creo que si pudiera ir atrás, yo creo que estudiaría, aprender inglés siendo más joven es mucho más fácil. La pronunciación, la forma cuando uno capta todo la, el nuevo idioma. Eh, es por lo que estoy viviendo ahora. A veces pienso que me gustaría ir atrás y aprender nuevas cosas que, que pudiera utilizar en este momento, en este país, que he estado aprendiendo, pero ya con 40 años, 39 años, es, es totalmente diferente. Eh, Honestamente, Santiago, cuando yo estaba en Venezuela, yo no sabía ni agarrar un martillo. <risa> y esto es algo que te lo digo con toda la vergüenza del mundo. Pero a veces esas, esos detalles son importantes. Y uno a veces cree que eh, utilizar un taladro, utilizar un martillo, aprender a un destornillador, no, no es importante. Y nosotros crecimos, pues, yo crecí con esa cultura. Y pues no, todo eso es importante. Porque aquí me ha tocado aprender de aire acondicionado, de reparar mi carro, de instalar lámpara de electricidad. Entonces creo que esa parte me hubiese encantado reforzarla. Haber estudiado todo lo que hice, y no me arrepiento de todo lo que fui, pero me, eh, a veces siento, me gustaría ir atrás y reforzar todos esos conocimientos para la, la persona que soy ahora, eh, estar más preparado. Cuando empecé en el trabajo este de las instalaciones de los Sainz, yo sentí una vergüenza horrible porque yo no sabía cómo apretar un taladro. Y gracias a Dios ellos me enseñaron y todos fueron muy nice. Pero decía, Dios mío, es increíble que yo nunca me propuse hacer eso. Entonces, es, es, es cuestión de cultura. Y creo que todo lo que uno pueda aprender en algún momento te va a servir. Y cosas tan sencillas como esas, como te lo estoy diciendo, un taladro, un destornillador, eh, no te estoy mintiendo, es increíble cómo eso lo necesité. Porque bueno, en la parte profesional, en la parte familiar, en estudiar, en la carrera, todo eso lo tuve. Pero crecí con una mentalidad de que ese tipo de actividades no eran importantes. Y sí lo son. Y sí nos hacen completo y sí nos hacen ser más completo cuando estamos en esta edad y en un país como este, en donde cada cosa que uno sepa cuenta. Entonces, eso es lo que me dirijo a mí de 18 años. Well, I'll tell you, hearing Nick talk about how he would tell his younger self to learn English at an earlier age made sense to me, given what he recently went through. I was surprised to hear him emphasize the need to learn other skills early on. He shyly confessed to not knowing how to use power tools when he first started working in the U.S. I agree with him that this type of practical knowledge can only help. When you speak English, do people treat you differently with an accent? Well, to be honest, when eight years ago, 
I don't speak English. I was afraid to talk. And now I feel more confident. I feel that people, when I'm speaking English, people respect me. And they feel like, hey, these men speak English. Most of my customers, they are English speakers. Um, I feel that since I started speaking English, people treat me much better in a good way. I feel like they see, hey, he's trying, he's doing his best, and I can communicate much better with him. And I'm going to tell you an experience. Every time I have something to, that I want to know something about my daughter in the school, no one speaks Spanish. And I see you're like, oh, thank God I speak English because I have the chance to talk to the teachers and know what's going on with my daughter. I see other Spanish speaker, speaker parents that they try to talk to the teachers and they can't. It's really frustrating. And when I go to the supermarket and they see that I'm speaking English and I'm doing everything in English and just, mm -hmm. yeah, when you don't speak English, you have to do everything by signs. Nick shared a few personal stories with me. He told me one where a friend had told him that he didn't need to learn English because his job didn't require it. He reminded his friend that that might be the case today, but he may not stay at that job and learning English could open a lot of doors. He also told me a different story where he went to school for his daughter and he found that there were some other parents who didn't speak English and they really struggled with understanding what the teacher was talking about. Learning a language is difficult for some, but Nick has taken this challenge head on and has received positive feedback. When people see that, hey, he's speaking English, they show respect. It's my personal experience. I always tell my friend, try, at least try. We are in the United States. In this country, we have to speak English. And you're going to get more opportunity in your life. You just begin. So far, everybody feels like my accent is special. And, and I feel happy for that. And I feel special <laughs> for my accent. I have no change. And I always try to improve and improve and improve and improve and improve. And it's not easy, like I said, because I started studying English when I was 35 years old. And now I see all proud of myself for what I have done so far. And, and I feel good. So far, nobody has told me, hey, I don't understand your accent. Oh, I can't understand you. But it's like I said, when you try and when you are learning and when you are improving and when people see that, hey, this man is doing his best, no one is going to question your accent. You have to be really ignorant to say something like, hey, this man, with this man, with that accent. Seth goes so far, everyone around me, my customers, friends, everywhere sees in me that, that I'm doing good, I'm doing and I job with my English. With all this talk about accents and language, I was curious if Nick and his wife speak Spanish to their kids. We have a ruling home with the kids because my daughters, they speak English and Spanish perfect, both of them. 
and we have a rule. In home, we speak Spanish. Outside, we speak English. If we go to a restaurant, we always try to speak English because I like to, I want to show respect to everyone around me. And if we go to Target, to Walmart, something like that, we always try to speak English. In home, just Spanish. With the family, Spanish. I watch TV in English. My cell phone, my GPS, everything is in it. All the apps, everything. If I have to read an instruction to put together something, I try to do that in English. Actually, I am going to get my real estate license. And I just finished the course and I just passed the first test and I did it in English. In this business, I met a realtor, and she told me, oh, you should work with us because we have too many Hispanic customers and sometimes we don't know a Spanish speaker working with us and I would like you to join us. And I told her, well, you know, sometimes I don't have time. She said, well, try, try, try. And I did it. And I was really nervous. I was afraid. The first day, I was, oh my gosh, where am I going? What do I do? And the second day, I felt more comfortable, more confident about myself, and I finished the course, I passed the test, and now I'm going to take the second test, every word, every terminology, every phrase, everything was in English, and I did it. My wife, she was, she was always cheering me up, and you can do it, you can do it, don't quit, do it, do it, and I did it. So, I just did it. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to ask about your name, so, Nicolas. Mm-hmm. It well, my whole seem like a very Spanish name. <laughs> <laughs> my whole name is Jose Nicolas. My grandfather, my father, and me, we all have the same name. And when I was a child, and there was a confusion in my family because we all, we all have the same name. So in my family, everybody called me Nico. And since, I don't know, since... I was five years old, I think. Every time I went to the school, my mom always told me, say Nicolas. Every person I meet is um, Nicolas next to me. In the United States, the nickname is Nick, right? Or Nicolas. In the United States, my customer called me Nick. In Spanish, everybody called me Nico. My wife told me, hey, why you don't try Nico for everyone? Because that is easy to say for, even for English speaker. I didn't do it since the beginning. And I did my business card with Nick. As we close, what else is coming to mind? What else would you like to share on your immigrant experience, having grown up in one country and now living in another? Well, I would like to say Santiago, Try to do on, I'm going to say, do everything right in this country. Pay your taxes, work really hard, respect your neighbor, be nice, be a good person, respect every rule, every law, work hard for me is my personal advice. If you do that, you're going to see the result and you're going to have an amazing life in the United States. I would like to say that. 
to everyone. Well, well I really have enjoyed getting to know you, Nico. I really appreciate your time. A very inspiring story. And、Thank、I you. wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and give me the opportunity to share my experience with you and with all the people. Thank you so much. All right. Bueno, Nico, mucho gusto. Muchísimas gracias. Leaving everything behind to start a new life isn't something that some do voluntarily. I see in Nick the courage to embrace the unknown and apply himself to make the best of every situation. With this glass half full kind of attitude, it's no wonder his cleaning business has taken off. His patience, his planning, and his decision making are all paying off. The outro music is an excerpt from the song Viejo Año, performed by Maracaibo 15 and written by Manny Delgado, source Corporación Foca Records CA. The song is an example of the gaita genre. The lyrics make fun of the echoing year, but offer a toast to it nonetheless. I hope you enjoy it. Just to get up in the same t i s I got.